this is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Mesh Tsunami podcast. This week, we're offering five conversations from episode three, our discussion on the new nozzled nomenclature. Plus, from the vault, a discussion from Easel 2023 about the nomenclature presentation, which was originally presented formally there. This conversation starts with Jeff Lazarus describing how the Delphi process works and some of the pivotal outputs of this one. He identifies the focus on patients with alcohol and diet issues as having created a discrete disease, MedALD, and describes that as being, and I quote, revolutionary. I agree with Jeff that this was an important outcome and changed the topic asking why people might have opted out of the process. Marie Ornella comments that some people opted out after the third phase due to disagreements with the direction of the consensus. I refined the question to ask why people might not have chosen to participate in the first place, which leads Jeff and Baru to mention that the participation rate was high, somewhere around 80%. I go on to ask what could have gone better in the process. Maru, Jeff, and Mina Bonsal each note groups for which they wish participation had been broader. The nomenclature process was a multi-year activity with hundreds of participants and the potential to have a huge, really a huge footprint on this disease. This episode looks at how we've gotten here and what drove some of the key players in the activity. It contains an interesting piece of history, so just sit back, listen, learn, enjoy, and when you're done, join the dialogue in our LinkedIn discussion group. So then you get to the Delphi process. Jeff, you want to take a couple of minutes and walk people through that for those who might not be familiar with what it was or how it worked in this case? Jeffrey Lazarus. Yeah, essentially, you know, I sent an invitation, but on behalf of the chairs and the steering committee, people agree to join or not. And we have a set of statements and they have to assess their level of agreement. And if a certain level is reached, like over two thirds, we feel that there's enough agreement to accept it. And if not, we need to discuss and see where there's disagreement. As we started in that process, we realized there were a lot of issues. You know, it was a bit of a fishing expedition that, you know, we wanted to address and understand. Ultimately, we wanted to come up with a name and a definition. But along the way, there were dozens of questions that we were or statements that we were asking people. And so we went through round after round. We also had a call. We also had a meeting in Chicago, hybrid meeting, so we could discuss um, among, you know, the the participants, how do we find a solution to the name? Um, How do we agree on on the definition? And ultimately, we reached the level of agreement. You know, it can be tough, like Mina said, to have 500 people in the room. But, you, you know, you can have a Delphi with four or 500 people. We did that for COVID. In this case, we had almost 300, which is a lot of people involved. It's almost 10 times the number that were involved in the Delphi that came up with with Maffold. And we felt that it was important to have people from all over the world representing or not representing, you know, their associations, people who who are leaders in the field, who have published, who have experience, so they could do this and that, that we could really get that global agreement. But it's a long, and I think Maru and I would agree, at times torturous process, like here, Here's another email from Jeff and the team to do 40 Delphi statements and rank. But I mean, we also changed, you know, we, it's, it's completely revolutionizing, I think, the field. I mean, it's so much easier. I want to hear, you know, Maru and Mina, but I think it's so much easier, at least when I speak to endocrinologists and GPs, when I say this is metabolic dysfunction associated, you're dealing with this already, but this is the liver part that you need to engage with now rather than non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And again, Maru and Mina can speak to this, but we also came up with a new disease name. I mean, MET-ALD fills a major gap in the field. For listeners who aren't super familiar with the field, imagine, you know, you're the non-alcoholic, but you're alcoholic as if you couldn't be overweight obese and also drinking you know where did you fit so now we have we have a category and, and a 
plan for how to address that population. And that, that's, that's, that's revolutionary to be a part of that. Jeff, I said this to you, I thought that was the best thing in my mind. The single best thing to come out of the entire process was that you could actually categorize that and that, frankly, we weren't encouraging people to lie or misstate themselves any more than they would do otherwise. Let me ask just before we go on, in that process, were there people who opted out? Question one. And question two is what, if anything, could have gone better? And why do people opt out if they did? Maru Ranella. Mm-hmm. So I will say, so so there were a group of people that opted out after the third round because one of the decisions that was made right before the third round or heading into the third round was that the overarching term would be steatotic liver disease. Um, and the rationale for that was that if we could be non-stigmatizing and you can, you know, it depends on who you ask if somebody perceives stigma, but the way we looked at it and the way the steering committee as a whole looked at it was if some people experience stigma with the terminology fatty, and we could avoid that, that we should avoid that. And that was sort of the tipping point of steatotic liver disease is the overarching term. Those that were uh, big proponents of MAFLD were upset about that. And many of them left, you know, at that third round. But maybe, Jeff, you can comment further on that. Yeah, I'd say many of the proponents of MAFLD left, but not many of the participants in the Delphi. Correct. It was, it was, it was even a handful. Okay, then go back to my previous question. Did people opt out of the Delphi in the first place? Some did. I Not really. I think it was more just people didn't really know what it was. But overall, actually, the opt-in rate was pretty good, actually. I want to say it was like 78% or so, 83% for the second round. Right, Jeff? I mean, it was pretty it high. Was, it was very high. When you're hitting 80%, high. that's high. Yeah. And, and initially, it's always hard to calculate because people get this email and they're asked if they want to sort of take another survey. And I think we've all gotten that when you go to a restaurant. <laughs> and you're like, no. Thing, and people are like, what's this one about? And they don't. So we don't. I thought everybody did this. Right. It's hard yeah. to say we, yeah, that, that that's an opt-out. It's a passive opt-out. It's a passive opt-out. <laughs> <laughs> In ASQD, you had to apply to be part of it. So imagine people are applying to take the survey. That's a dream. And then, you know, in Easel, there was a selection process. And in that, people were incredibly active. Um, and the steering committee, we were talking all the time and with the co-chairs every day, multiple times a day. Uh, we've won back so much time that, you know, that, that's why Mara was back on surfing, surfing Nash. She has three, 10 minutes every day. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So is there anything else in that process that could have gone better? I mean, I think you've done a pretty good job of talking about what went well, a lot of participation, a lot of engagement, people stayed through four rounds, answer that was widely accepted. Anything that could have gone better? I mean, I would have liked to have had more robust uh, involvement. Involvement, you know, from a broader group of people. I would have loved to have had more patient involvement, but the caveat I will say is that that was definitely not for lack of trying. So we had set our limit of uh, participants proportionally to the association size. That was initially what we finally decided to do, but we left the patient participation portion open. So as many patients as wanted to participate could have participated. Um, I suppose we could have capped it 267, I suppose, but we didn't. We just left it open. And we had a hard time getting patients to be participatory. And that was despite, I think, I would say pretty concerted efforts to get them involved. So that was, I think, the one thing I really would have wished we could have had more robust patient involvement uh, in the process. Mina Bonsall. 
I might add, I think the other thing that maybe would have been good is to have a little bit more of those who are KOLs in the alcohol-associated liver mm-hmm. disease, because I think some of what we are dealing with now later is, yes, huge advance. Like def- having a category of MET-ALD, I think, is going to be transformative for the field. Those patients have not been included in clinical trials. They have not been included in standard epidemiologic studies. So tremendous window has opened for research and better understanding the interaction between these diseases. But that, I think that clear definition, maybe having a little bit more of those stakeholders at the get-go, but I think, you know, it evolved, right? Like, I don't think that that was necessary. We didn't know that that was what was going to come out of this, but it was the discussion that made it clear that this needed to be a new category. So had you had the crystal ball, you know, crystal ball, you would have had more alcohol people up front. No, for sure. And that's that the hindsight is twenty twenty thing, right? So we didn't set out to redefine alcohol field. That wasn't even in our mind. Actually, we knew that we'd need to manage that sort of overlap situation. But to be fair, on the ASLD side, which is the only thing I had any say in, because it was association based, right? In our association, we sent out an RFA and we did actually specifically seek out alcohol people to weigh in. So on the ASLD side, we had several alcohol experts. That is maybe not what happened in the other associations, but we did anticipate that might be a useful thing to do. But you're right, it would have been excellent. Um, to have a much more robust alcohol component, particularly later, right? That would have been excellent. The the other issue that we were dealing with is a lot of, you know, pressure to just hurry up and finish this. It took two and a half years because it's a lot of work and it's very time consuming. So we we had a lot of pressure from all sorts of sides uh, for this. I don't know, Jeff, you have any other comments on that? You know, I like big collaborations. So if I could go back, I would try and have someone from every liver society in every country, at least one person. That gets really complicated. We came pretty close in the research and action priorities, um, but obviously you get to some small nation states, you get to some countries that don't know who you are and why you're doing this. But, um, you know, we had a, a real broad participation, but it would have been nice, I think, if more societies played a bigger role in the beginning than ASLD, ESL, and actually ALA and Apostle itself. It was there in yeah, the they beginning. Were instrumental, they were part of it from the beginning. It might have been nice to have even a few more societies at the society level, bigger, bigger societies, whether it's the Turkish Association or the Canadian. Or there's, there's also an issue to um, Jeff, with the level of, you know, contentiousness around this particular topic is more controversial than some of the other larger Delphi statements that at least that I participated in with you. So that makes a big difference. If most people are agreeing in the 90s, you know, percentile wise, that's really much a different story than this, where it was like, you know, a few things were 95% like alcohol, steatohepatitis, but a lot of the other stuff was like 60, 70. It was tough. I mean, it was tough. You had to really try to work with people. And, and those comments, you know, that accompanied the, the, each round of questions, I think, you know, it was well over 2,000 comments that we had to address and, you know, incorporate. It was just a lot of work, really. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, imagine you submitted your article and which we've all done and it comes back from peer review and there's three reviewers who have 10 or 15 things each, which is 45 and that's a lot. Now you got 2,000. 
So uh, that's why that's why it took so long. <laughs> well, I, I think the other question is, you know, one might ask, well, why did you do this now? Like, what would why now? And I would say, really, the Maffold Group is responsible for actually initiating this process because it was like a runaway train, right? Like a few now it's starting to show up in publications. Like, wait a minute, hold on, who said we have a new name? Because it was done in a different way. And I think that to their credit, they identified, you know, calling it what it is rather than what it's not. And with the caveats we, we've already discussed, that's why we were doing this now. And it was a bit of a rush because we needed to kind of rein it in and make sure it was done properly um, and transparently. Mina, thanks. Before we go on to rollout, it's the, the rollout process itself, Mike, Mike comments, Louise comments or questions, or either one of your comments or questions. Mike Battelle. I, I was just going to add that as a sort of end user in the, in the Delphi the process, like filling out the questions, I did notice like through the iterations, there was changes. And, and it, so it's not like Marie said, it's the same thing. Here we go again, the same questions. I actually, the nuances were there and you say, oh, I guess that means that they're basing this new question on the feedback that I got from the old question. So I did perceive that. And uh, I liked it actually, because it seemed like a version two, you know, and then a version three. And so that helped a lot. And now back to Roger. We hope you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content in this conversation or the entire episode, please put them in the review section of the page from which you downloaded this conversation or send an email to questions at surfingmash.com. We'll be back next week to discuss what we know about mazel epidemiology today. Until then, stay safe, surf on. We'll see you next week on the podcast. Bye now.